Are you looking for entertainment for a fundraiser, outreach, youth night, date night, or for a conference? Does your team need a way to improve team camaraderie, confidence, and communication? Well, look at Wellverse Comedy for a show, performance, or a workshop. Wellverse Comedy is Chicago's clean comedy team, and we're ready to serve you, your audience, or your organization. We've headlined our own shows at the Second City at Gutty's Comedy Club in Indianapolis and started our own TV show called His Line. And we've raised over $5,000 for charity in just the last two years. We are now booking for your back-to-school bash, fundraiser, and even your holiday parties. Contact us today, and let's see how a night of high-energy, clean, original, family-friendly comedy can make your next event memorable for all the right reasons. Connect with us on social media at WellversedCMDY. That's at WellversedCMDY. Or online at WellversedComedy.com. WellversedComedy.com. For booking information, email us improv at WellversedComedy.com. Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome to the latest edition of Gifts for Glory I am Dave Ebert. So glad that you're joining us, whether you're joining us live on social media or you're uh, joining us on the replay on the Creative Motion Network, on the Taken TV Network podcast channel, or you're listening on your favorite podcast platform. We're just really thankful that you're with us and that you're uh, going to spend some time with us. we got a really great guest tonight. Uh, really excited to share uh, her story and uh, tell you all about uh, the amazing things that God has done in her life and through her. And uh, also talk about uh, an amazing book uh, uh, that uh, that uh, she's sharing, and we really want you to uh, check it out. Uh, so we'll get into our guests in just a few moments. Uh, but want to remind you that we have a couple of shows coming up. If you're in the Chicagoland area, uh, our improv ministry team, uh, Well Versed Comedy, Good for the Soul, is actually in just a couple of days on October 15th at 6:30 p.m., and that's going to be at Lombard Assembly Church in Lombard, Illinois. Uh, it's absolutely free admission, so uh, please uh, bring your family and friends. Encourage your family and friends to uh, uh, come on out uh, this Saturday, October 15th. And you know what? Uh, it's actually the day after my birthday, so a great birthday present will be a packed house this Saturday. So bring uh, uh, your friends and neighbors, family, uh, maybe a hitchhiker or two, whatever you want to bring. Uh, that's this Saturday in Lombard. And then next month, in just about a month, uh, we're doing a fundraiser uh, benefit for uh, Lake Region Bible Church in Round Lake, Illinois, heading a little bit further north than usual. Uh, this is actually our uh, teammate Lenore's uh, home church. So uh, we're going to help support uh, the church with a, a great show. You can find uh, the tickets at lakeregionbible.eventbrite.com, uh, lakeregionbible.eventbrite.com. So those are our next two big shows coming up. And if you want to have a show at your church, your uh, your ministry, your business, a uh, holiday party, uh, or what, whatever you need, uh, clean comedy is the way to go. Uh, guaranteed, clean, safe for all ages. Be a lot of fun. And we uh, would love to come out uh, to your event and uh, bring some comedy that's interactive, that's high energy, and just a lot of fun for and memorable for all the right reasons. So uh, get in contact with us. You can email me directly, Dave at giftsforglory.com, 
or uh, find us on social media at WellverseCMDY or at Gifts the Number Four Glory. Now let's move on to our devotions with Dave segment uh, tonight. Uh, we're going to be reading from the Book of Romans, uh, Romans ten ten to be exact. And uh, this uh, verse uh, is uh, Romans ten ten from the NLT. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So here, um, it's just, it, and it goes back all the way to even Abraham, because he believed he was counted righteous. And, and that's the thing about it. It's not about what you do. It's not about what you say. It's not about uh, anything that you can do to earn it. It's believing and allowing that faith to guide you. So here in Romans 10, 10, it says, for it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God. And when you have that faith, when you believe in your heart that uh, uh, that God is the Lord and that Jesus is Savior, you you want to open declare, openly declare it. You want to be like Tom Cruise uh, on, on an Oprah, jumping up and down on the couch, saying that uh, you are saved, you know, and, and that's the whole thing is, it's not that you earn your salvation by profess, uh, professing your, your faith. It's because you have that faith that you start to profess it and share it and tell people about it. So uh, Romans 10, 10, a great encouragement for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Uh, Romans 10, 10, and that is our devotions with Dave segment. Uh, Romans so full of, of wisdom and, and brilliance so uh, I really encourage you, if you haven't read Romans all the way through, get on the Romans road and, and you, you will be encouraged and you will be changed. Uh, so that was our devotion with Dave. Now let's get to our guest at this time. Uh, we are uh, welcoming author Kay Rubacek. Uh, she's a celebrated author and award-winning winning filmmaker. Uh, she's a distinguished journalist, uh, journalist for NTD and the, uh, the Epic Times. Uh, she's a third-generation fighter of communism. Uh, her family fled communism in Russia back in the 1920s. And her husband and her fled Australia because of socialism there over 10 years ago. Now she's committed to fighting for the truth and repelling all the components of communism and socialism in America. To Kay Rubacek, America is the last best hope for the world. And I totally agree with that. Uh, other than Christ, obviously. Uh, she's a committed Christian uh, with her husband, and they live in upstate New York. Uh, who, her new book, which we're going to talk about, Who Are China's Walking Dead, is a firsthand account of the oppression, violence, and propaganda in China from real victims and their stories. So we're going to hear her story and uh, really dive into that book. Uh, please welcome at this time, uh, Kay Rubacek. Kay, welcome to Gister Glory. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's great to be talking with you. It's great to have you, and uh, you know, I love your mission um, because, and we're not getting po political here. We're just talking about the truth that that communism and socialism they sound great, kind of like when the the serpent was telling Eve, "Hey, this fruit is delicious. It'll give you great wisdom." Like it sounds great, but then when you get down to it, it it's more costly than anything. Uh, so I, I just really appreciate the fight and the fact that you're not doing it from ignorance. You're doing it from a place of experience. So I, I'm really excited to, to have you on and to share your story. It's such an important point, isn't it, that this isn't about politics, really. It's, it's really about understanding what is communism, what is socialism. And, and, and it's interesting that, I mean, for my, myself, I didn't understand 
communism and socialism growing up as a child and even as a youth, even though my family escaped it three times. So we didn't just escape it in Russia in the 1920s. That was the first time. So my family actually escaped both paternal and maternal sides. They escaped mm -hmm. Russia during the, when the Soviet communists took over. But then where did they go? They went to China. And that was before uh, the Chinese Communist Party took over there. And they were very fortunate to be able to escape and just not be victims to the, you know, the great famine that killed up to 45 million, 45 mm. million people in China in the 1950s. So my father was 14 and when he escaped with his siblings and, and parents and came to Australia and my husband's family escaped communism in the former Czechoslovakia in the, when their Berlin, before the Berlin Wall fell. Mm. And they were very lucky as well. They spent months in a refugee camp, not knowing if they would be sent back. And if they did, they would have been persecuted for sure. Now they weren't a family of faith, my husband's family, but my, my family, they were persecuted because of their faith in both, both countries. And, and, but, but you see, all people were being uh, subject to persecution of, uh, by, socialism and and communism and it, it is it's 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 a completely atheistic um it is a it is a belief really that's that's what you know that sort of ideology so it's 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 the damage that it has caused that it causes is well beyond politics we're, we're completely beyond politics i think when we talk about this stuff that they want to make you know often people will confuse the two but when you look at the get down to the roots of it it's not a political issue <laughs> right it, it truly is a spiritual issue and one thing uh, that that I find is that some of the, the the selling points of socialism sound very Christian in the way that they're presented, um, but in practice they're anything but Christian because essentially you're making the government become God, the giver of good things, and the uh, the um, distributor of all things that are positive come from the government when it should be god in that place and should be his church in that place that's exactly what uh exactly what happens and it's really you know they, they want to replace divine law and then when you have only man-made law then it's man over man and that always leads to tyranny it, mm. it, we're just we're just imperfect I mean, that's, that's just part of us being here on this earth right now is we, we are not, we're not perfect as human beings. And we need that divine law to, to aspire to and, and to, to work towards. And, and once you remove that from a nation, you end up with what you see in China, where the party the is, is it, a lot of people say say to me, "Well, China's, uh, you, you know, it's a it's a government, it's a it's a country," and I have to say, "Hang on, it, it's really, it's a you cannot compare that to what we see here in the U.S. Although we we are in danger of um, succumbing to some of those policies here, but the the way China they've had more than seventy years under this ideology, and so during that time they have replaced." their faith uh, of the people with um, God has to, according to them, come under the party. And mm -hmm. that is, um, I mean, that's just beyond a compromise, really. That's, that's, that's when you completely change, you uproot a society when, when you do that. And that's, that's what's happened there, which is, I like to say China is the best example of the worst case scenario that, that we can learn from to see, look at that and say, oh, 
that's what could happen. That's what has happened. That's what did happen. We don't want that here. So, and part of that story is uh, the the book that you uh, recently came out with, uh, Who Are China's Walking Dead? Uh, so pop that on the screen for our, our viewers. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book, what inspired it, and uh, what uh, what stories you're, you're telling in uh, Who Are China's Walking Dead? So they are stories, um, you know, because it sounds like a scary title. Uh, people say to me, oh, okay, you, why do you always do scary work? <laughs> And, and I like to say, really, really, it's not that scary. Um, but we do have to face reality. We do have to face the, the things that come around us. And whether it's demons or devils or however you want to look at them, um, they come in different forms. And Karl Marx, one of the founders of communism himself, called communism a spectre, a, a, a demon, a, a, a devil. Mm. And then you, you realize this really is something beyond. And, and I talk a, a little bit about that in my book, but my, my book is stories. And, but how it, how it came about was I'm a filmmaker. I've been in video production for almost 25 years. And I, I was making a movie. I was making a movie called Finding Courage. And it was a story of victims, victims of communist oppression in China. And they couldn't tell me there were certain questions they couldn't answer and they had, they had this amazing story of faith over fear and courage over tyranny and, and family being able to withstand anything the, the worst, the worst tragedies when they hold together as a strong family unit. So there were so many wonderful things about their story. And I just, I just loved it so much, but there was certain things they couldn't answer for me. And as a journalist, uh, it just, it wasn't enough for me. Uh, I, I know anything to do with China and especially human rights in China um, is, is, is heavily censored. It's ridiculous, but that's, it's the case. And so I just knew I had to really check every single fact in this movie. And so I got to a point where I said, they couldn't tell me how can the, communist party be so cruel so cruel to the, the the acts of torture i've interviewed more than 100 survivors of communist torture and and brutality and uh, and brainwashing techniques and this family they couldn't tell me on camera which is what i needed i needed someone to tell me how can they be so cruel how can they do this to you these lovely people they couldn't tell me so i, I had to find someone who could so I looked for perpetrators. I looked for people who had done it, people who had carried out torture, people who had um, written laws that enabled torture and lying and cheating and stealing and all of those, what we would call crimes. And these are happening today in China right now. Mm -hmm. And I found a man who ran not just one slave labor prison camp in China, but multiple. He was in charge of a region. And so he was running multiple slave labor prison camps. And... So as I started to, I started to interview him and then I interviewed another person, another person, another person. And, and I interviewed um, an army colonel. I interviewed a, a former judge, criminal court judge and uh, 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 propaganda officials. So a whole slew of people, uh, police chief commissioner and dozens of dozens of these people. And they, one of them early on said to me, we have become soulless bodies walking flesh. And uh, I said, I, I really don't like that. I don't like what I'm hearing. And I, I stopped yeah. the translator at that point. And I said, please, can you tell me what is he saying? And she said, yeah, that's, that's, that is what he's saying. And I said, could I say the word walking dead? 
And she said, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, well, that's what we can understand here in the West because there's been these TV shows, there's been popular culture glorifying these horrific um, characters, uh, these sort of zombie states. And so that I proceeded then to ask the next interviewee, have you heard of this term, Walking Dead? Yes, they said. Sure we have. For decades, Chinese academics have known, those who, who left communism early, they saw it right at the beginning stages. They said, we will become the walking dead if we allow this evil socialist ideology to ruin our culture and our faith. And that's what's mm-hmm. happened. So they were right. And that's what these mostly gentlemen were telling me that I, I did have a few females, but they were mostly uh, gentlemen in the officials, officialdom of the Chinese Communist Party and so when my movie came out, uh, I was a little bit sad that I only had a few minutes, just a few minutes of these guys in the movie because it wasn't about them. It was about the family. Mm-hmm. But so many people said to me, what about those guys? I really want to know about those guys. What did they go through? Who are they? You know, Because no one gets them on camera. It was pretty unusual. And, and I said, no, you don't want to know. It, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's too horrible. But uh, so many people asked and then, when I started really seeing what's happened in the US here over the last few years, I, I just thought, we need to know. We need to know what the worst is. And so I decided to write this book and I put together, um, it doesn't work as a movie for these guys. If you just put the Chinese communist terms in, in and have them talk in a movie, it doesn't make sense. What they say is a foreign culture, not just a foreign language. So I yeah. said, okay, I have to write it and I have to put it in a story form. Uh, all true stories so that people can understand and see through my learning process of how I came to understand what they were saying to me when they said words like walking dead, two layers of skin, um, propaganda is news, uh, news is propaganda. Once they told me all these terms, I started to unpack it and each one became a story in my book. So you can pick up any chapter and you'll find a story about with an example of how socialism um, really destroys a nation, how this atheistic thinking destroys a nation, destroys a culture individually as well as yeah. broadly across the society. And I'm, I'm assuming that there probably had be some great links on your part to conceal identities or to you know protect the people that are speaking to you because I'm sure that the, the uh, Chinese Communist Party doesn't look kindly on the truth getting out. It's so true that the pressure that the, the Chinese Communist Party puts on people is ridiculous. But, you know, the biggest pressure they put on people, and I've experienced this a lot, is they don't put so much pressure on me per se. I, I mean, they will try, they put pressure externally on other people because I, I like to say the louder you are, the safer you are. And that's been my experience for more than 20 years because those who are afraid they will target you and they will try to make you compromise your beliefs mm-hmm. and try to buy you with, with money, with fancy dinners, with whatever they can do. And this is what happens. This is a form of corruption where we allow morality to just sort of fall away to the side and we don't main hold, uh, maintain a baseline of, of basic good human being principles right i mean and i'm just talking just in a secular format right fashion here just this is just basic um Mm -hmm. beyond politics for sure and 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 so yes there were people who wanted to speak to me especially from china 
And I had to say no uh, to quite a few people because uh, it's too dangerous for them living in China. And I only interviewed people outside of China. There's a few people in my movie who were and still are in China when we made that. And I, it was, it was very scary to um, know that at any moment they could be arrested for the work that I'm putting out. Um, but they were determined that they were going to do it anyway. And, uh, and that, that telling the truth was more important to them uh, than, than hiding in fear and, and, and taking the, the risks of what would happen if they compromised their faith and their values. So those are the really brave people and um, take my hat off to them every time I think about them because they're just amazing. But there were many others who I just thought, I, I just didn't think that they had that um, ability or position um, to, to really withstand the pressure from the CCP. So I intentionally didn't interview them. I, I didn't want to put anyone in, in too much harm's way. Now, in reading your bio, you've been arrested uh, for uh, you know, peacefully protesting. Uh, I'm assuming, I believe that was in China. Uh, can you talk about that experience at all and, and how, how you got out and, and things like that? Yeah, for sure. You know, that really was a turning point for me. To, why so much of my work has been focused on on China? Because there's there's a lot of, um, you know, we know there's a lot of things going on in the world and there's a lot of stories to be told. I, I really think everyone's got a great story when you, when you ask them. But in China, it really opened my eyes to, to communism, that experience of being arrested in China. Uh, it was 20 years ago. It was in 2001. Uh, I went to China and I held a banner on Tiananmen Square. I, I wasn't alone, you, you know, but I mean, I was so naive and ignorant. Um, mm-hmm. my, I told my father I was going and he said, I mean, he was born and raised in China. He experienced the Chinese Communist Party, but he didn't want to talk about it. And w- they, I really think my family wanted just to protect us from the, the evils sure. that they had seen. And uh, so I didn't learn about how how evil communism was i i really didn't know so yes he, i was i was told i was ignorant and naive and that was absolutely true i was ignorant and naive and i went anyway because i'm quite stubborn and um but i i really felt supported i really felt that i was protected i just felt i was doing the right thing and i felt that god was on my side and that i, I needed to go and I needed to see it. I needed to see it for myself because I'd been following the, you know, the pers- latest persecution going on in China there at that time, and it was just so brutal. And I couldn't understand. I just, I just couldn't understand. And um, and so I, I went and I held a banner on Tiananmen Square, and you know what the banner said? What I was holding? What I was arrested for? The whole banner had three words: truth, compassion, and tolerance. But mm-hmm. I was holding the word compassion in Chinese and in English. And I'm six foot tall. I'm pretty tall for a woman. And the Chinese police officers, they were all undercover police officers that arrested me. They were plain clothed uh, in China, in Beijing, the capital city. I was on Tiananmen Square there, right in the heart of the, the capital. Very public place. But there are more undercover, plain clothed police officers than there are regular police officers and military mm. there. And so after putting that banner up, Within 30 seconds, uh, police sirens started glaring, blaring everywhere and and, uh, vans came around. Um, I had these, I was surrounded 
by um, these these men in plain clothes who were coming to arrest me. I broke no law. I, I checked everything beforehand. Um, I, I broke no law. Um, and, and holding the word compassion in a public place, I, I really didn't think, I didn't know what would happen because it is China, but I, I really I didn't think I'd be put in prison for that. But yeah. I was. Um, I was detained. Um, I was beaten a little bit, uh, not as badly as, as a friend of mine who had his, his nose uh, uh, bloodied and finger broken. Um, mm-hmm. Others were, were beaten uh, quite badly. These were all Caucasian, all white from uh, all, all different parts of the world. And, and I, I went with a friend from Australia. And my goodness, I was thrown into a basement prison cell and they told me that those words are illegal in China. They told me mm. that compassion was illegal in China and that truth was illegal in China. Wow. And, and I was shocked. And then they proceeded to try to force me to sign papers that I couldn't read. They're in Chinese. Um, they were telling me that I was, my plane tickets were paid by the CIA. Uh, no, um, I, I had a good paying job. I was a manager in a software company. Uh, I was able to pay for my own ticket. My parents, knew, my family knew where I was. My boss knew where I was. Um, I knew exactly what I, you know, where I was and why I was there. And yet they were trying to make me sign papers and, and things that I couldn't understand. They were, they were brutal interrogations, but then they also used all these propaganda techniques against me. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, you know, I was there for 23 hours and during that time I wasn't allowed to eat. Um, and I had a few snacks in my bag and that was it. But they brought out this beautiful restaurant food. I could smell it coming um, towards mm. the end of the d- detention and, um, and bottles of water. I was, I was thirsty. Sure. And, uh, but they had these big television cameras and, um, and they said, here you go, eat this restaurant food. It's, it's great. Um, and I said, please turn the cameras off. And they said, no. And I said, I won't eat while you have these cameras on because I know what, what will happen. This is propaganda. Yeah. To, to say, look at what, you know, what, how, we, how we treat these people who, who come in and, and, and think they can hold a banner of compassion on China, uh, in, in, on Tiananmen Square. I refused um, to eat while the cameras were on. They took the food away and I got no food. Mm. And, and they, uh, there were so many yeah, tactics that they, that they used on me during that trip and, uh, it was 23 hours. If they had held me any longer, I would have had to have um, uh, the Australian embassy would have had to have got involved. So they, they knew that. They were very much aware that they couldn't officially keep me a- arrested. They said, no, 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 you're just, you're just detained in a prison cell, basement prison cell in, in Tiananmen Square police station. So mm-hmm. I really learned a lot from that trip about how communism forces and teaches and trains their uh, officials, their police officers, to lie, to believe lies, and to carry this out on regular citizens. If I was Chinese, if I had Asian skin, I, pro- I may not have got out of that prison. That that's mm-hmm. really very possible. So that's the treatment was is extremely eye opening, and that was um, that was my my trip to China. And since then, I, I decided to use my skills to. Uh, expose what is going on in the largest communist state uh, in, in, the, in our world today, socialist state. But 
and and uh, yeah, that's that's where you know it, it's it's a big risk because it means I'm you know I'm not going to be working in Hollywood, but that's mm-hmm. that's just fine by me. I think we've got to stick by our principles and our faith more than anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, there's a couple of questions and uh, that that come to mind. Is first, I recall that the United Nations put China on the Human Rights Council. Uh, now, I, I'm based on your story and what my own personal, you know, knowledge from news. That seemed very counterintuitive for them to be on the Human Rights Council. So, what does that say about the United Nations? Or was that just a mistake on their part, or was that an intentional uh, maneuver? What, what, or do you even want to comment on that? Oh, happy to comment on it. I, I think about these things a lot because I think I think it's important. When you talk about human rights, you you look to the uh, the governing bodies, the the large uh, councils or um, global groups such as the United Nations. We have different groups here in the U.S. that that advocate for for human rights, and and so I've been in touch with a lot of those organizations over the years, and. I mean, look at what, what we've done with, with China here. We've given China favoured nation status. We've allowed it into the World Trade Organization. Uh, we have allowed uh, China into... And, and let me clarify, when I say China, I don't mean the, the nation itself. For example, America is certainly not the Democratic Party. It is certainly not the Republican Party, is it? But mm-hmm. in, in China... Uh, we often equate the two, that China is the Chinese Communist Party and that you cannot separate the two. And that's intentional, that the Chinese Communist Party has intentionally conflated the two and make us think, it's certainly done that in China. They, they've, they've, every day in, in the regular news media in China, they say you, to love the party means you love the country, to love the country means you love the party. This is this is really part of that that whole playing where the party to them they they they, they they're taking the party as, as as a form of God and it's it's shocking, but that's that's how they see it. So when I say China, I'm talking about the Chinese Communist Party, and that's that's essentially who we've allowed into the United Nations because there is no other alternative in China right now because that CCP has a complete monopoly over the entire nation. So the the UN hasn't. Um, I really think that they've compromised consistently on human rights uh, with China and not just in China but elsewhere, but certainly with China, and we can see that as an example, very crystal clear. They just put out a, uh, a report on the, the, the persecution of, of Uyghurs in China, the, uh, the minority group in the northeastern area in China, and they, they wouldn't allow, the UN wouldn't allow that to be debated. So that's just an example where that, that's because China vetoed it. So by allowing China onto the Human Rights Council there, they know that China is going to shut down any debates on human rights. But, and, and this is a compromise because China, the CCP, is, doesn't respect human, the, the lives of human beings. It's not all men are create, created equal under God. It, it, they do not have that concept. They're looking at a very atheistic worldview where they see human beings as beasts. Honestly, mm. that's what they say. They say we are no better than animals. And if you think of the storybook by George Orwell, Animal Farm, mm-hmm. they say, well, we're all equal, but 
some some animals are more equal than others. And that is how socialism works. They remove God from the picture and they say, well, we're all we're all the same here, except some of us are smarter than you. Some of us deserve more than you. And then they they really treat human beings as as animals. And I have a chapter in my book called Lives of Grass, because that's how Chinese people describe to me how they are viewed by the Chinese Communist Party. They said our lives are worth less than grass. Mm. And that that is really where the humanity is devalued to that degree. And that's what the United Nations is accepting when they accept the CCP's view of human rights because the CCP does not view us as miraculous, precious human beings. It sees us as useless eaters, as they say, or uh, as, as no, no better than animals or beasts, which is, which is just, just terrible, you know, really. Yeah. That's, that's their view. Now, uh, you're a journalist uh, with, the, uh, with the Epic Times, and uh, recently I saw headlines uh, in, in the Epic Times about the CCP is opening police stations in America. Um, is there a benign, innocent explanation for that? Is there, is there any good that can come from that? Well, if you think about what the CCP stands for, it does stand for an atheistic regime, totalitarian regime that is, is holding captive uh, you know, more than a billion people in China. They, they see that there is no alternative and they have no, no option and they're not allowed to have freedom of belief, freedom of speech there. And so for any entity, um, any it, it's basically a foreign agent that, you know, to have a police, uh, a police station run by the CCP open, it's, it's in New York City, the, the one that I'm aware of. I know there's another one in Canada. Apparently it's about 40 around the, 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 uh, the world. Mm. But New, New York City has a big Chinese population. And, I, I, you know, when I, heard, when I read the news, I, I, I was... Not, not surprised because they've been policing the Chinese uh, diaspora people here in the US for a long time. I'm very much aware of that. I've covered that and, and looked into that for many years. But it just wasn't being discussed in mainstream media. Now people are more willing to look at China before. You know, the CCP is so extreme. It's so extreme that the crimes that it's committed are, are so devastatingly terrible that most people just don't want to... Um, think about it and and when you try to talk about it people will say well let's change the subject that's uncomfortable mm -hmm. but when you see it on your doorstep in in new york city there is a police station run by the ccp and we've allowed that then then you start to to really think oh maybe there's other crimes that people have talked about um could be real. For, for example, I did a documentary in 2015. It actually actually aired on PBS stations, which was pretty uh, miraculous. And mm -hmm. um, it was called Hard to Believe. That was on the killing of prisoners of conscience for the, the sale of their organs in China. And that um, I didn't, it, it, I investigated the issue, but I interviewed the investigators who had so much um, knowledge and volumes of evidence and once I saw all that evidence I thought oh my goodness this is this is just absolutely shocking but because the crime is so gruesome we're talking hundreds of thousands of people that have killed been killed for the sale of their organs mm -hmm. and you think how 
how, how can you get to that point? And it is hard to believe, but these are the crimes of the CCP. So even though it seems shocking that there's a police station run by the CCP in America, um, we shouldn't be shocked when we really look at the history of the CCP and its atheistic, uh, really despotic rule. That it is, it is that bad. Sadly, that's the case. Yeah. Now you are a a, a Russian Australian immigrant living in the U.S. Uh, and you've seen communism and socialism at its worst. Uh, do you believe that? it's on its way to the United States or is it already here? What, what is your stance on uh, the future for America as far as, you know, is communism on its way? So I really think that part is not about belief anymore. Um, it, it, it is socialists, the international socialist movement has been targeting America from uh, for the last hundred years. It, it's, it, there's no, that, there is no real debate on that, um, as far as I can see, just based on reading the documents from the, that movement, the International Socialist Movement, reading the documents from the Chinese Communist Party. They target America. Um, even individuals who have escaped and given me their testimonies from China, they say they are taught from kindergarten to hate America. Mm. And so... And I used to think that once the Berlin Wall fell in, in East, between East and West Germany, that that was the end of communism. And, and I thought that was wonderful. But what I've realized is that I, I was just blinded to the fact that, that those people who were really following that atheistic um, ideology, they had a taste of power once the Soviet communists took over Russia and they loved it. And they've been supported by, uh, they've been backed financially by other entities around in different countries that, that want to su support their, their efforts to um, really just destroy nations and, and play God. I mean, mm. I, I say they're jealous of God and I say that they want to play God. And they had a taste of that in, in, in over the biggest nation on this earth, over Russia, the largest country on this earth. Then they took over China. And to think that they just gave up and just went and, and just decided to just do gardening or just go and read some books and uh, just give up on that, you know, quest for world domination after they had a taste of power, uh, I don't think so. Really? I don't think so. And, and if you follow their textbooks and, the, and the, their writings and, their, and study that, which, which I have done, and it's... it's um, it's sometimes it's very depressing uh, mm -hmm. to see it. I, I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of faith. So I'm, I'm, I, I don't stay depressed. But when I read those things and see how intentional their, their actions are and how really how evil their motives are as well, um, they have not given up on those goals. Uh, they have just utilised technology and they have adjusted with the times. They, uh, they didn't just disappear. We, we can't say that the, the devil just disappeared because a, a, a long piece of concrete wall was brought down in, in one part of the world. Um, we, we still have uh, battles to fight within ourselves and within this, within this world, righteous battles, I believe, and, and communism and the international socialist movement have been targeting the U.S., they know they have to take a different format. They've written about that in their, in their documents and their strategies that they have to undermine faith and family here in the U.S. to be able to overtake our freedom. 
And when you break down the family unit, uh, it is very easy to manipulate an individual. Mm-hmm. And the family is the biggest roadblock between, oh, of course, faith. You know, faith is the biggest thing for an individual. But to maintain that faith, you, you often need family. Why, why else were we uh, born into that unit of, of a mother and father? I, I think that was just the, the, the divine nature that was being given to us. And so we have that opportunity but if that family unit is broken down, which has always been a goal of the socialists, is to remove the family unit so that the state will have direct control over every individual as an individual, then if you don't have the family to protect you, then you really will get blown about in the wind and yeah. you will lose your faith, you will lose, you, you, you lose so much, you lose yourself and you just get controlled by these media narratives. So now we see... More and more people are waking up to the fact that most of the mainstream media, I mean, more than 90% of our media is owned by like six companies. Mm -hmm. Those companies are part of, uh, they have an agenda to support the undermining of American values. And that's that's where their efforts have been placed. And education is the other one. Um, Walking through, uh, they say, the march, long march through the American institutions. That's what mm-hmm. the socialist movement has done to, um, we, we see it with the sexualization of children in schools and a lot of uh, things like that going on there. And it seems strange or unseemly or how could they do that? But they're very good. The socialists are very good at taking hold of anything that seems that, that will they can hijack it and, and use it to their advantage. And that's what they've done with some of these crazy things that we see going on in, the, in our world today because they know it will help them achieve their goal of breaking down our family units. And I think that's our most important thing that we need to work on here in the US is to strengthen our families because that's the absolute, that's our absolute core. And that, I think that's a big protect, the biggest protection we have on, on this earth, uh, you know, aside mm-hmm. from our faith to be able to counter the, the infiltration from the, the Soviet uh, socialist movement. Absolutely. And you look at, uh, the response to the pandemic the last couple of years, what, uh, whether or not the the virus itself was was a plan, uh, the the response again was to tear down the family unit, separate us because you know if you can't see your extended family, uh, it's just you locked away in your house, and also they didn't shut down Walmart, they didn't shut down Home Depot, but they shut down the churches, and so you look at those and you're like. Whether or not the virus was of natural origin, the response is definitely fitting in line with that communist desire to take down uh, the American institution. Yes, and studying the, um, the the textbooks and the strategies that these communists and socialists have had, and uh, I, I, I use those words interchangeably, socialism and communism, because socialism really is just a stepping stone to communism. So I sort of jump between the both because I see them really hand in hand. And, and they, they try to pressure us psychologically uh, through this, these external pressures of, of feeding us, making us very afraid mm-hmm. by giving us this constant propaganda through the media. And if you look at the examples of China, China's media is, is all controlled by the state. And yeah. that means they can just repeat, repeat, repeat. And the journalists there have told me they are trained that that news is propaganda and that news is spin. Their, their journalism training is very different to ours. And, but, but even ours now, we, we see those 
what what the Chinese people came to accept is what some Americans have accepted here mm-hmm. with mainstream media and not questioning the narratives and not realizing that we don't want to think bad of anyone. We don't want to think right. bad that, that people are trying to harm us. We, we don't want to think that, that anyone in government or p- positions of power responsibility would want to harm us. No one wants to think that. But this is where we do have to, I, I feel like we are being tested and we are needing to question these things and and really make a be on the right side of history. And so we, we there's a psychological pressure that comes from the media and these narratives that we're fed everywhere that makes us afraid and makes us feel isolated all the things you said about you know what happened with COVID lockdowns and then there's this other pressure that's coming up from from below which is the economic pressure Mm -hmm. and this is a strategy to to wear us down and really because the, the faith you know someone's faith gets gets tested during these these times when when everything else is being tested then that, that's when you may start to lose faith. And yeah. this is the most important time where you must hold on because that's exactly what they're trying to do is to wear you down and, and make you question everything. And, and that's where you, you really have to hold on because they are trying to, to, to squeeze us from the top and, and from below and, and make things really difficult. But, but that's where... I think when we understand, for me, once I was understanding their strategies more, it just gave me even more peace of mind and just even more faith mm-hmm. that we we don't have to worry about that. They they have their intention, but that, that's not God's intention, and that's that's not what we need to worry about. They can they, let people are going to do their things, but but I have to be clear what what I want for my family, for myself. I'm a mother of two. And, and, you know, what, what do I want to make my own choices and really not have those decisions made for me by lies and by disinformation and um, perversion of education. I want to make my decisions for myself and that way I I'm, I'm, have that personal accountability and personal responsibility and I take that, take that seriously. Yeah, absolutely. So, Kay, I want to transition now, and we've talked a lot about faith, but I want to hear about your faith journey. How did you come to know Jesus? Uh, were you born? Uh, you mentioned that your husband's side wasn't necessarily a, a faith uh, family, but on your side, were you born into faith, or was it something you found on your own? Well, tell us about your journey. I, I was born into faith. Uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, so my, my family were, uh, they were persecuted for their faith in Russia as, as mm. uh, Russian Orthodox Christians. And uh, they, they, that's what happened under, under the Soviets. Faith became illegal. And also, also business owners were also targeted too. And they did, they did own property. But my grandmother, uh, she was in China and she, she raised my father and and his siblings, and she had 13 children, nine survived. And, and when, you know, growing up with her, you know, I've, I've a family of four siblings and I was, I was really close with my grandma. I I was really close with her and she was probably the most pious woman that I, I, the most pious person that I, that I've ever known in my life. And I just, I, I just love spending time with her. Uh, She didn't speak English and very little in English. And so um, I was the only one in my, out of my siblings that 
uh, insisted on going to uh, Saturday Russian school to uh, to learn the language, participate in the faith and all the cultural activities as well. And I, I did that for, for 10 years uh, during uh, my schooling, my, my regular schooling. And that was, that was just, I, I was really fortunate that I grew up in a, I had the, I felt like I had the best of both worlds because uh, we would celebrate everything on the, the, the Russian Orthodox calendar, which included names days, which is, you, you know, the day that you're christened as, as opposed to your birthday. We celebrated that as much, if not more than our birthdays, you know, that, that was so, in, that was so important to us. And, and the uh, Russian Orthodox Christmas and, and Easter, just so the, the calendar's a little bit different. But it was really my grandmother that instilled that faith in me. And I think I just saw that with her and I just always had that connection with her. Um, and, and of course, I've, I've had times when I've, I've questioned things because, you, you know, there was times when I saw things going on at the church that I, I didn't like, uh, politicisation. And, and that, that's been uh, things there that I'm, I saw and I, and I don't like. And I, I have to look at that and say, well, is it the form? Or, or, or where, where, where does my faith lie and really take yeah. it internally? And so that's, that's been a constant process for me because I'm just that type of person that I, I, I don't like to do things for the sake of things. I, I, I need to, I need to uh, understand what I'm doing rationally and, mm-hmm. and make sure that I'm following the right path. And so, you know, that's, that's my, that's, I, I, I feel, it's like, I, I feel like I've got that from my grandma, but, but I, I've had my own journey to, to come to, to question and come to understand and, and, and really reinvigorate my, my faith and, and just really my belief in the Lord and, and all of the experiences and things that I've been through and surviving certain things. I mean, there's just so many miracles, even on a day-to-day basis, when you really pay attention and, and you start to realize like, oh, that, that really worked well. Okay, I'm on the right path. Am I doing the right thing? And, and asking every morning, you, you know, am I, please, please guide me. And just, am I doing the right thing? Um, I don't like to ask for anything other than just strength, courage, and wisdom. You know, if, if I can have that, then, then. I just feel I have to find the way that I have to find my way. But that was, that was, yeah, I, I owe a lot to my grandmother for that. Yeah, absolutely. When uh, you were in uh, the, the, um, the Tiananmen Square jail for those 23 hours, how, how much did faith carry you through that time? Uh, did you find yourself questioning God or were you just clinging to him? How did faith play in that, uh, in that time? The, the whole way through. I, mm-hmm. I, he, you know, people call me naive and, and ignorant, and I like to think I'm, I'm really quite simple in that way. Yeah. I, I feel like um, if you just know you're doing the right thing, then I've, I feel um, I feel like I'm being protected. And, and I, I was in danger. Yes, I was in danger, but I didn't think that I really didn't think that I would lose my life. And, and, when you see people lying to you directly, and these are people in official uniforms lying to you and trying to attack you, trying to beat you, and you're thinking, something's not right here. This mm-hmm. is not right. And, and so I question myself, am I doing the right thing? Am I really being truthful? Am I following the right way? Then, and I check, I am. 
I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm not, I'm not lying. I know what I, I know I'm not going to lie. And so they wanted me to lie. They wanted me to, they even wanted me to buy my own plane ticket. They were trying to take my credit card from me and get me to sign to buy a return plane ticket. And I said, I have a return plane ticket in three days time. I will take my own plane ticket. I'm not buying another one. Mm-hmm. So I think because I just have that, I had that conviction and it, and that, that comes from a, a belief, that comes from faith, that I, I think that I just, um, I was very determined in, in that and, and I, I was nervous, I was scared, um, I, I, was, I was shaken, I, I didn't know exactly what was happening but I held on to, I held on to faith and I held on to that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, please help me the Lord, Lord. I'm not, I, I just felt I was being okay. I felt I'd get through this. I got through this and you know, they did, they, they paid, they bought my plane ticket for me and they took me through a back route to the airplane where I, um, they, so that I couldn't call out or speak any truth. <laughs> to to the citizens that's how much this ideology that is based on lies fears the truth and that gives me courage that gives me that gives that only strengthens my faith to say that i am i did the right thing i did the right thing maybe maybe some people will say it's stupid or something but i learned a lot i felt that i was on the right path i felt that i did the right thing and i felt protected and guided and uh and that that's my that's that's my truth with that that experience and it's it's really taught me a lot so amen and that's good stuff so so often it feels easy to compromise to uh to say well it's no big deal uh but you've lived it you've been to that situation where you know you could have signed the paper and tried to you know out of you know self preservation but you trusted in that still small voice to not lie to not misrepresent who you are or what you uh, were there for. And I think that uh, that's an important lesson, especially because as we talked, it looks like, and it feels like, and it sure, it sure seems like that kind of control, that kind of um, oppression is coming to, to the shores of America. We've been blessed for 270 years uh, with freedom, but Frankly, you can't keep legalizing and endorsing and celebrating sin and then expect God to continue to bless. Yes, yes, we are. We are in a difficult, we are in a dangerous, slippery slope and we're, we're on a We're on a precipice, I think. We're really on a, on a cliff edge right now. And, you know, people, people ask me this a lot. They say, where, where are we at? And. And I, and I said, well, we're seeing it now. You're, you're seeing it. That's great. Where, where are you positioning yourself based on this? Because when you have faith, you, 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 you really can see beyond. Yeah. Those who don't have faith, I, I'm most concerned about the people who, are, are, who get lost and those who I mean, look at suicide rates, look at overdose yeah. rates going through the roof, um, uh, people who, who uh, transgenderism and, and other things like that, uh, abortion rates. And you think, okay, the loneliness and the um, devastation where people feel helpless, yeah. we, we, th- that is something that socialists are taking advantage of. 
they want us to feel like that because for them, they have more control over us when we give it to them because it just becomes so much easier to say, I cannot take this anymore. Please just, um, please make all decisions for me or worst case, worst case scenario is when someone says, um, I, someone chooses death over life. And, and we know that that type of death is, is, is the worst, worst type of death there because then, they're not valuing their, their, you know, their precious gift of life. Right. And, and that's when people get so lost. And so I'm really very much concerned about people in those situations because I think for those of us that are clear in mind enough to know that if we strengthen our families and we strengthen our faith, we can get through anything. We can yeah. absolutely get through anything. Mm -hmm. Look, my family is testimony to that. They, they survived seeing dead bodies hanging in the trees mm -hmm. uh, as they spent five years traveling from one side of Russia down through Mongolia only to eventually find freedom five years later in China. Mm. And, and the fact that they could do that was very much based on, on their faith, I believe. And they, they didn't give up. And so it's those of us who, those who were thinking of giving up, it's, that's where we have to hold on and we have to really encourage each other because there's so much bad news around us. Um, I, I want to get a shirt that says, um, bad news sells, but I don't buy it because nice. seriously, there is so much bad news out there that you turn on any station, any station, and you just get bombarded with, well, everything's bad. And well, what can we do about it anyway? Come on. There is, even when I look at the bad news, uh, I, I can find, I can see something hopeful. There's someone doing something about it. There mm -hmm. is. That person has hope. That person thinks that there is still something worth doing, that we can do things, we can be proactive. And that's, to me, that gives me a lot of hope because, yes, it looks like we're on a precipice and that we are at a cliff's edge. We're about to fall off into socialism. But if we say that, we believe the biggest lie that the socialists have always said, which is that socialism is inevitable. Mm -hmm. If we believe that, then it means that the, the death of faith. Right. So how can you believe that? How can anyone believe that socialism is inevitable while saying that they truly have faith? So for me, I do not believe that socialism is inevitable. And anyone who says that, I say it's a lie. Um, and and that's, that's where we just have to start calling out the lies. And we mm -hmm. have to have hope and positivity because it's the negativity that pushes everyone down. And um, if, if, if I can t tell you a story that I, um, yeah. um, you know, interviewing all these former um, like survivors of, of brainwashing and, uh, and torture in China, some, they were just so devastating. But the one woman she told me, she said um, they were so afraid um, that the prison guards, these slave labour prison guards, were so afraid of these and these were religious prisoners, prisoners of conscience, innocent people who were put in jail for their faith. Um, most of those were the ones that I interviewed. And when they made eye contact with each other, uh, the prison guards would be so angry. They would do anything to stop them making eye contact with each other. Hmm. Think about that. Eye contact. It's such a simple thing. But if they made eye contact, that glimmer in someone's eyes, you know, that soul-to-soul -soul connection would say, I'm okay, so are yeah. you. 
and it would get them through. And something even more powerful than the connection with the, with the eye contact was a smile. When someone smiled mm-hmm. in the camp, oh, my goodness me, it's like a shockwave going through the whole camp because everything was so grey and down and everyone's just sad and, and it's down and it's depressing and everything. And if someone could rise above that and say, I have faith, I am okay, you will be okay too, wow, 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 change the whole environment. And that's where I, I see here too many of us are getting sucked into the bad news and our silly tiny little social media screen feeds when they're okay but not all the time. You have to take a break from that sometimes and look at the real world and remember the miracles of nature and the world all around us and in each other. And then you can have a smile and you can change someone's life. And at the worst times, if you force yourself to smile, even just chemically and neurologically, it's going to make you feel better. And if you force yourself to smile enough, you're going to eventually have enough hope to remember that you were made here. You, you were given the gift of life. You're made in the image of God. You have value no matter what anyone tells you, no matter what you do. And, and, and you really, you can just have a different perspective on life. We just have to get, push away this negativity uh, more often and get back to the basics. Yeah. And, and, and really we can push socialism aside but we have to really see through the lie that it's inevitable. It is not inevitable. (laughs) No. The only thing that's inevitable is Christ's second coming. Everything else um, is, uh, you know, is up for grabs. Um, So uh, I want everyone to visit uh, your website, uh, krubacek.com. Check out the book. Uh, The, uh, the book is called um, uh, who are China's walking dead. Uh, you're going to want to check that out. Check out the book. Uh, it's available uh, in hard copy as well as on digital platforms, including on Kindle. Uh, and you can find out more about that at uh, krubacek.com. Now, Kay, before we went on the air, I uh, warned you, and this is not, you know, we've had a very heavy conversation. We've had a very <laughs> deep uh, exploration, and it's not out of irreverence to it, but it's because you and I both know that there's hope. No matter what happens on this side, there is hope and there's hope in Jesus. So we can move forward knowing that there's hope. So we can have a little bit of fun right now with the interrogation, which are seven random questions. Uh, not anything you would have experienced in Tiananmen Square, uh, but uh, mostly softballs. So here is the uh, interrogation. All right. First question is going to be, uh, as, a, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be an artist or a musician, and I wanted to do everything. Wow. So have you done any of that as an adult? Are you in music or art at all? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a filmmaker. I, I've written some songs, and I've played in music bands, and uh, music is still an important part of my life. And my husband laughed when he found my yearbook, and he said, you told me you wanted to do everything. And in your, in your yearbook, it actually said that you – I wrote it. I said, mm-hmm. you know – your career, artist slash musician, and your ambition to do everything. Oh, crazy. But but I feel that's what the Lord told me to do. So that's what I'm trying to do. Perfect. Question number two, what's your favorite comfort food? Licorice. I love licorice, especially the Australian type, but I'll take any. 
So is the Australian kind the, the black licorice like here in, in, in America? Okay. Yeah, but we have like, it's really quite soft. We have a brand called Daryl Lee. It's really soft licorice, which is really nice. It gets stuck in your teeth a lot, but I don't know. I just really love licorice. It's my favorite candy. <laughs> Number three, uh, with whom do you most identify from scripture? Oh, <laughs> do I have to pick? <laughs> oh, you know, to, to say myself, who, oh, I don't dare. <laughs> all right oh uh, we can skip that one we'll go to number four uh what is a talent uh, that you have that few people have uh, seen or that they know about hmm. um uh i used i can play the saxophone and the clarinet and i cannot play the flute that's, that's, okay. cannot get a sound out of it. Yeah. All right. Very good. Number five, uh, how do you recharge? How do you uh, relax and then, and then recharge your batteries? Oh, I like to sit still and close my eyes. <laughs> really contemplate. <laughs> All right. Question number six, uh, what was uh, an embarrassing moment in your life, but it ended up turning out okay? Oh, so many times, so many times, you know, there's so many times I, I, there's so many times I've embarrassed myself and I think, um, I'm still here to mm -hmm. say that I'm still here. And it's just so many times I've embarrassed myself. I've embarrassed myself on stages. I've embarrassed myself in front of large audiences, small audiences in front of people that I know and don't know. And then and then you just learn from it. And I think sometimes that makes me feel a little bit jaded. I think, oh, gee, well, you know, been through worse. So, so what? Um, yeah, I just think there's been so many times that um, I know everything turns out okay in the end. So, yeah. Perfect. All right, final question in the interrogation. Um, what are the top three things on your bucket list? Uh, what are the top three things of, of the everything that you wanted to do that are left that you need to accomplish? Um, what do I need to accomplish? You, you know, I, I just, I just ask for guidance and mm. I just want to be a good tool. <laughs> um, what would I like to accomplish along the way? Um, I would, okay. I would love to see more of the U S I've been to 14 States. I would really love to get to the rest of them. So that's, that's more than three, but I want to get to all of them. And okay. some of them I want to get back to again. Um, oh, yeah. That's that's definitely something I want to do. I want to do that soon. What's been your favorite state so far? Utah. Utah. I don't know why. I don't know why. There's something about the mountains and the rocks. As soon as I got off the plane there, I was just like, oh, it's so magnificent and so majestic and just so powerful. And it just reminded me of like, look at this earth you know mm. it's just like oh yeah actually when we landed there for um we we're doing a tv series for epoch tv and ntd television last year and we went to utah i said to the crew i don't think i'm leaving i think i'm going to stay here <laughs> i don't know why i just fell in love with the city uh, the, the state and, and that was salt lake city but we got to go to a few a few um uh, we went down to some mountains and down the mountain. Oh, I, I don't even remember the name of the mountains. We drove three and a half hours south. And mm. 
something special about that place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was my favorite. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you survived the interrogation. Uh, all seven questions. <laughs> um, so, uh, okay. The final question I ask every, uh, every interview is for anyone that wants to use their gifts for God's glory. What is your wise counsel for them? I, I think what we were talking about earlier was, um, you know, really encourage each other to, to hold on and, and not, not lose hope really. Okay. If I could say anything, smile more, smile more because you're sharing a gift to exactly you're sharing your, your gift with others. That, that gift is not just, it's not just for you. It's going to make you feel better but it's going to help everyone around you. And, and you think about it, like the power of a smile, it seems, it seems so simple, but it, it's something that cannot be controlled by anyone but you. Right. And, and it's a gift that you've been given by, given by God and your, your amazing, miraculous body. So I just think um, y- y- there's other people who've got so many more great words of wisdom. I've just got really simple things, but I, I, I think um, smile more and, uh, and you can help not just yourself, but really help everyone get through the hardest of times. You know, take things take things lightly. Um, my kids say to me, "Mom, you're laughing when it's not appropriate." And I said, "You want me to cry?" So <laughs> you know, isn't it better that we laugh? So uh, I think, really, yeah, that would be my wisest of counsel. <laughs> yeah, and that that's beautiful. I love it because you know, in a time where we had so much stress, so much fear, we were wearing masks and we couldn't smile at each other. And just the power of a smile just to, if nothing else, remind the other person that you're not alone. You're, you're not by yourself. You're not forgotten. You're recognized as a human, as a child of God made in his image. And that a smile can commun- communicate all of that in just a split second. Yeah. So, so I think uh, there's wisdom in the symbol. Sometimes we try to overthink things and try to make it way too complicated. Uh, but uh, Kay, thank you so much. I know we went a little bit over, but I think it was worth it. I think this was a, a really a powerful conversation. I hope it encourages. I hope it challenges. And I hope more people will find your book at uh, krubacek.com. Uh, that's the website. You can connect to all of our social media there. You can connect to uh, uh, finding the book and everything else there at uh, krubacek.com. Uh, it's going to be in the show notes. And uh, uh, for our uh, for our audience for next week, uh, pop up on the screen. Our guest for uh, next week is going to be uh, Lee Gibson from um, RPOR, which is um, Relentless Pursuit. Uh, it, it's about fighting sex trafficking, and uh, that's what they do in uh, in uh, Missouri. So you can find out more about them at rpor.org. Relentless Pursuit, Outreach and Recovery, Combating Sex Trafficking, and uh, Giving Hope in uh, Very Hopeless Circumstances. Uh, so uh, two powerful guests back-to-back here on the Gifts for Glory podcast with uh, our guest tonight, uh, Kay Rubicek. Check out her book. Uh, I'll be showing it on the screen one more time. Who Are China's Walking Dead? Uh, so, uh, Kay, thank you so much for being on. And uh, I wish God uh, God's blessings on you and your family and, and his and his protection on you because you're not making a lot of friends with some of the, with your stances and with your outspokenness. Uh, even in this country, you're, you're, you're crossing and stepping on a lot of toes. Well, got to make your life count. I think. 
you know, mm-hmm. make a choice. And, um, and if I'm going to say something, I might as well stick by it. So I, I, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. So we will see everyone next week uh, back on regularly scheduled night of Monday night uh, with uh, Lee Gibson of RPOR, uh, Relentless Pursuit, Outreach and Recovery. And we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in here on Gifts of Glory. Mm-hmm.